Hey, this is Eric, your DM, and welcome back to the Punch Bowl, our interview segment on Join the Party. Even on our off weeks, I'm thinking about superheroes. Like, you really need a pair of the flying ability with another power, or you're just like a person with wings. Which doesn't really help when you're fighting crime, you know? So I figured I'd put that to good use and talk to those people who are pushing the medium forward. People who have listened to Punchables before might have noticed that I switched up the intro here from D&D to superheroes, because I'm also always thinking about superheroes and Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not as much a Marvel or DC person, and like the movies are fine, but I love how you can play with the tropes and archetypes of superhero-dom and create things that are outside of that comic spectrum. Like, think about it, it's like mythology. I, I think about it like it's a Jewish mythology because it was created by uh, like Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and all those guys were, you know, Jews living in the middle of America in the 1950s. So for books, uh, I love The Regional Office is Under Attack by Manuel Gonzalez or Soon I Will Be Invincible by Austin Grossman. But my first love, the thing that combined my love for games and superheroes together in the most interesting way, was Sentinels on the Multiverse, published by Greater Than Games. Sentinels, as I'll probably end up referring to it for the rest of this episode, is a cooperative superhero-themed card game where you use pre-made decks themed around the heroes who are fighting a particular villain in a particular place, and the villain and the place have their own decks that work against you. But the thing that drew me in was that Greater Than Games didn't just make up the game, they also made up a rich history of superheroes as well. Get this, the heroes in the game are from Sentinel Comics, a third major publisher that stood next to Marvel and DC in like the universe of the game. That means the characters at the table are derived from an incredibly deep and incredibly fictional series of comics. So I'm incredibly obsessed, and now I want to know how you build an entire tradition of superhero comics from scratch. And as the definitive edition of Sentinels of the Multiverse has raised over $500,000 on Kickstarter, and pre-orders are still available, you should go check that out, I reached out to Chris, editor-in-chief of Greater Than Games, and Adam, art director of Greater Than Games, on how they built their super world. Well, first things first, I know who you guys are, and I am so happy to be talking to you, the creators of Sentinel in the Multiverse. Will you please introduce yourselves and what you do at Greater Than Games, the uh, best board game company in the St. Louis uh, area? Oh, there's a lot of board game companies in the St. Louis area, so... Oh, I, I thought I was safe saying yeah. that. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a few, there's a few big ones and then a bunch of smaller ones, but... Uh, Just say your favorite uh, and you're, you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're amongst the best out of all of them that are equally good. Hi, my name is Christopher Bedell, and I am the editor-in-chief of Greater Than Games uh, and also one of the co-owners. And um, we make a bunch of great games, and I am fortunate to be the writer and designer of many of them, but not all of them, and the editor of all of them. And I am also the co-creator and storyteller of, uh, and writer of Sentinel Comics, which is my life's crowning achievement. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I am Adam Rebataro. I am also a co-owner. My official title is the Lord of Illustration. And that changes Um, every other year. So it does change. It changes (laughs) a lot. I'm just like, "Ah, I want something new on my business cards. What's sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and uh, co-creator of the Sentinel Comics line of things, 
Christopher and I have been friends since forever, since we were children, and we we make we make superheroes together, and I draw them. So yes, incredible. I mean, you can see automatically why I want you here and what I want to talk to you. Um, but I think that it's it's important for us to set up what exactly Sentinels of the Multiverse Sentinel Comics is. Now, you might have heard before that I said that you were a board game company, and you're saying that you're publishing comics here. So can we talk talk a little quickly? Can you set the stage of what Sentinel Comics is, the game, and what Sentinel Sentinels Comics is the cinematic universe. <laughs> sure, sure. So Sentinel Comics is a series of lies that Adam and I tell across a variety <laughs> of mediums. And, and the lie is that there are comics from a publisher called Sentinel Comics that have existed since May of 1940, running through decades and decades of comic book stories, heroes, villains, big exciting events, and uh, none of that is true. We started with um, Sentinels of the Multiverse, which is our card game. We said we just want to make a comic book superhero card game. That's what we want to do. And inadvertently created a metafiction around it that was the publishing history for these comics for the last since 1940. Yeah. Adam and I have, uh, have played games and created things. We've got a significant number of creative endeavors over the decades of our friendship. One of the things we wanted to make was a game in which you felt like you were playing the characters of a comic book and the pages of a comic book. And we hadn't found that in other games. And so we kind of on a lark made this game Sentinels the, that became Sentinels of the Multiverse. And in doing so, if we were making that game with another property of heroes that were well-known in public, you would have pages and pages and years and years of comic book history. And we wanted to make sure that the game that we were making felt like it drew on that. And so the easiest way to do that, easiest is maybe the wrong word, uh, way to do that was to create decades and decades of comic book history. So we did and based that game and a series of other games on that. So. Yeah, I know that Like, there's, there's a lot of properties sometimes that will just file the serial numbers off of big heroes, recolor them, mm-hmm. release them like and it feels very fake. It feels it feels very shallow. And we wanted that yep. we wanted that depth of history and character interaction that um, that we ended up getting. And yeah. I'm pretty pleased with it. Yeah. Let's let's freaking talk about it because I find it so <laughs> interesting as a creative device. And Sentinel Comics is the board game, it is now the RPG, and it is also everything you talk about on your podcast, the letters page, where y'all get super, super into the canon of what is in Sentinel Comics. So just as a creative device, how has making a fake third publisher been like as a driving engine for what you're doing here so good so so good so yeah. good. <laughs> like the games that we this is i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something that we would not that we would admit to publicly with frequency but we don't say it a lot publicly mm-hmm. the games that we make are great we really like the games we make we like sentinels the multiverse adam and i love playing sentinels the multiverse uh as do does Lots of people. Uh, the RPG is fantastic. We love playing the RPG. I, Adam, I think this is your favorite RPG yes. now, right? It's just yeah. like straight up your favorite system. Yeah, I almost want to play mm. nothing else ever. Right. But the making the comics, the fake comics, and all of the lore and all the world building of Sentinel Comics, we like so much more than any games we've ever created, like put together. The, 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 the thing that we make that matters the least 
in terms of the world and the company and all that, which is Sentinel Comics. We like more than any of the things that we make that matter far more than that. Um, but yeah, no, making... I mean, Adam and I have talked about this before. If this company died in a fire and nobody was a fan of the stuff that we made anymore, it would not prevent us from continuing to do it. We do it because we love it and because we have infinite stories to tell and we are telling those stories all the time. And we've both had times in which we like sit down to record and one of us isn't feeling, or both of us aren't feeling it. We're like, ah, I don't really know if I have it in me today. Well, Mm -hmm. let's get running. Let's do the intro to the podcast and then just start. And it was like, oh no, sorry. Even in my like darkest days, I still have infinite stories and we both have like so much to, to, to run with. And it's, it's what we want to do. It's what we are built to do. And so, yeah, we'd like to keep making fake comic books for the rest of our lives. (laughs) In terms of the metafiction as a storytelling device, Mm-hmm. It makes things so much easier to get started because a lot of times they'll be like, well, we don't really know what we're doing. We know it has to involve these characters and it has to be in this era. And that will like just knowing that will tell us a degree about the tone and the content and like it will it will inform a lot of the storytelling. It, it will do a lot of the work for us ahead of the time. And then we just have to slot those characters in and really like figure out the circumstances around that but um it's it's very good at giving you a starting point it's like it's like an infinite series of writing prompts right and this is the Mm thing is that writing prompts starting points for both storytelling but also game design i was recently talking uh to some game designers about this about how actually like designing with restrictions is is awesome it's what gets you going it's because it's like Mm -hmm. okay you could design anything in the world oh no that's too much anything in the world but it's like oh you need to design a card game that costs under twenty dollars and is for two to four players and plays under half an hour great i immediately can throw out tons of things i can i can chop the tons of things off the list and so like what adam was talking about with the 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 meta publishing nature of sentinel comics when we're writing something for the game we know right off the bat okay well this this character comes out of the 70s so here's a list of things they can be and a list of things they can't be uh this character Lots of times when we're looking for inspiration for a character, we'll look at, okay, this character is is probably going to come out of this decade. What are some real-world things that are happening in this decade? And really, what are the things that happened like five-ish years before this character came out? Because mm-hmm. comics tend to be about that far behind the times, two to five years behind the times of things that come out and inspire some writer, and then some writer finally sits down and does it and makes a thing. Okay, great. And we, so using those those touch points of of inspiration as inspiration for ourselves uh, is, is really helpful. Yeah, I mean, this goes right into the next question I wanted to talk about, is talking about the genres and tropes of superheroes and comics in which we're working with. Mm-hmm. I just want to give some examples because I own literally every single expansion <laughs> and maybe random decks of uh, Sentinel Comics. Great. So what, what Adam, you just said about filing the barcodes off of superheroes yeah. what you are, you're doing is it is an amalgam of a few like legacy for example has the americana of captain america mm-hmm. but the clean cutness of superman and some other ideas of what america means thrown together wraith is very much the batman living in a different city than legacy does uh, but also with some jessica jones thrown in as well and also like bunker being the uh like the military stuff plus iron man and all that stuff mixed together and a lot of of other things that were you're ex- experimenting with mm-hmm. so what genre and tropes i think are, are you trying to mix together what what makes the perfect mix of things that actually happen in comics yeah. and things that you are tweaking slightly to make interesting characters as well well we uh, like when we we first started we we started from tropes when we've like first first started um and we said okay we need we need a flying super strength leader type and mm-hmm. the task for that was 
how are we not just making Superman? How right. are we yeah. how are we not just making the Captain America? What's yeah. What are the aspects that we like about those characters and how do we make that our own? And make it not feel like just the serial numbers filed off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And part of that was going like full into the history and tying the character like to actual American history going back to the revolution. And tying the characters in a way to to the events of the pages of Sentinel Comics. So it's like you know, Batman and Superman and Captain America and Iron Man don't exist outside the continuum of Marvel. When the, the the thing that was successful with the MCU movies was they didn't just create these characters, but also created the world around them so that the characters had a place to live. Um, and that's a big thing that we did in Sentinel Comics, where we, we create legacy, but we create legacy's whole storyline and the way that he relates to other characters within the multiverse. Yeah, and kind of contrast that with the way that DC did their movies that like doesn't have a lot of context. Um, they maybe take some more risks but it doesn't feel as grounded as the as the marvel one you don't feel as attached to the characters are there specific examples that you are all super excited about because i mean i have my favorites and the way that i always talk about it i'm just like no no no. this guy is kind of like deadpool but he's not and it's like who do you think is kind of the best riffs on these or the what i think is really interesting is the combination of marvel and dc stuff sure. smushing them together taking the best of the two so I would say that none of our characters are are overtly or intentionally an amalgam of any other two characters put together or anything like that, but are rather sure. more of a like we're we're making we're building to archetypes. Comic superhero archetypes is yes. people say, oh, you know, this hero is like that hero, that hero is like that hero. That's nah, because comic books are built around the concept of archetypes, and archetypes are great. So are myths and legends and um, and mythology and everything. It's mm-hmm. all archety- uh, archetypal, and that's super important. And we build those archetypes so that a character is immediately grokkable. So that somebody sits down and goes, who is this guy? Oh, and when somebody says, ah, this person must be just like Captain America and Superman, the answer is like, ah, this person has the same archetypes as Captain America and Superman, but is their own person. Mm-hmm. And, and a big thing, like Adam said, is when we are building towards a certain archetype, every so often we'll kind of like pull our heads out of the creative hole and go, oh, just so we're aware, we aren't far from this thing in real world comics, mm-hmm. so let's mm-hmm. make sure we don't tread on that ground. How is this different? And there's been a, there's been characters we've started making before that were like, ah, this isn't different, so scrap or at least tear apart for pieces and and rebuild into something else. Right. To like use your example, guys, there's a lot of time. Nearly every card with guys was how is this not just Deadpool? Let's let's yeah, make right. sure that we're getting away from that because Deadpool is is like the main cultural touchstone of that that type of character we wanted to make sure that he wasn't that character at all and he's very very different Uh, like the only similarity really is like he has kind of a similar mask similar mask breaks the fourth wall does jokes but like not a dead not not the sort of stories that deadpool's in are not the sort of stories that guys is in um and the type of humor they both engage in is different guys has a lot more in common with morph from marvel but specifically the morph from the exiles run that does those kind Mm -hmm. of gags but more from the exiles run isn't doing the fourth wall thing Mm -hmm. we we talk about morph uh, we talk about ambush bug and all those characters are characters that certainly inspired guys but guys is his own thing a little bit she hulk for sure Yeah. yeah yeah right so to get back to your actual question, do, do we have a, a one of our favorite examples of a character that was inspired to do the things? And like, not really, because that's not the direction we come at them. It's more like we're aware that those things exist, and we are very, very aware that we're not treading on those toes, mm-hmm. but we're not um, 
that's not the jumping off point, I guess. No, I totally understand. I I just love being able to point to specific characters and decks in Sentinels. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, you have to understand they're they're working with what we already understand about these characters mm-hmm. and going backwards. So guys, when we're, we're talking about it, which is very funny that we're talking about this like humor deck that you I bought on Amazon that was never like attached to any of the any of the actual uh, boxes that that we bought. Guys is interesting because it is like the idea of Deadpool because he just like was a regular dude and then got hit with cosmic powers. So it's like the idea that he was a regular person and kind of an asshole is like what we under now understand Deadpool to be. Mm-hmm. And I just love that reverse engineering of the archetype mm-hmm. and then going forward from there yeah yeah do you have any examples i guess that you're excited about or you think was a really interesting shaking up of that archetype because i feel like the genres and the rigidity of comics regardless of what time frame we're talking about mm-hmm. right like is there something that you think worked really well that you really loved yeah i think a character that we do that f- that people try to point to various other like heroes from other things and is like oh this is like this but the archetype is wrong, or this is the archetype is right, but the character is wrong. Is Arjun Adept? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot yeah. of people are like, oh, Arjun Adept. Is it like a Doctor Strange thing? It's like, if Doctor Strange were really into music, maybe. Like, <laughs> like Arjun Adept is a really different take on yeah. the master of magic sort of character, um, mm-hmm. but is also really a different take on like a bard sort of character. Like, he's 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 yeah. his own thing, but so his his archetypal touchstones are are very different than uh, other more straightforward characters mm-hmm. i'm actually mm. a huge fan of all of our magic branch of stuff yeah, um, and how yeah. like we have very specific different ways in which magic will work so like there's the natural magic there's the blood magic there's void magic there's all these different types that we've we've structured that i, I just really like the uh really like the setup of that they have their own mechanical flavor yeah yeah, I mean, we've got, because we have, we have from uh, Arjun Adept, who's music and magic, we have Night Mist, who's cursed and magic, mm-hmm. and we have the scholar, who is like his own sort of internal alchemy with the Philosopher's Stone. Um, uh, we have Lifeline, who does blood magic later, um, mm-hmm, right. and uh, and Naturalist, who is like self-transformative because of uh, of, earth, of earth and natural things. And I think like, I'm... A- uh, at the end of the day, I'm kind of an X-Men guy. Like that's yeah, sure. th- that's my bread and butter. But I really like if if I if you were to take away X-Men, what would I read? Like I like Doctor Strange. I like Ghost Rider. I like all the like weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so I like the opportunity once we were done with the core set, basically to go into the weird and and like really. <laughs> really do some esoteric stuff no i think that's awesome and i also like all of those people as well what i think is really fun going back to what we were talking about if we have to i imagine that sentinel comics was actually publishing this thing is that like you need to make a character that is able to sustain a comic Mm -hmm. or it needs to like actually be able to function in stories like arjun adam going out and solving all the stuff in the multiverse and playing their loot and their and their liar and and saving all that stuff and also like uh the scholar for example mm-hmm. i really like this someone who loves ley lines and believes in ley lines also is like the dude in so many ways <laughs> you'd be like yeah 
this guy wear, drinking white Russians and wearing a, wearing a sweater would definitely be like, yeah, ley lines are real, man. I can I can use them using my using my stone. Like I love how again the the engine of the story makes the character feel actually real. You're going from archetype and working backwards. Mm-hmm. I really like this game. I don't know if you guys know that I really like. This game. I really <laughs> so like do it. we. I can tell. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is a. Uh, what we're doing, we're doing a Dungeon Dragon show based off of superheroes and comics and all those genres as well. And it's really interesting creating something that feels like canon in our own game, but not necessarily canon in everyone else's world. Like if someone was playing their own game and their own stories and whatever choices they're making at their own table, it's not even necessarily the same of what we're doing at our own table mm-hmm. as people listen to the podcast. And I really want to know how that, how you're tackling that going into the RPG, because like the way that you framed it is that every single story exists exists in a different multiverse Mm -hmm. Uh, so all of the sentinel comics are happening at the same time so what is it like actually putting down on quote-unquote paper this canon that you're now letting people like run around with in the rpg right yeah i mean one of the things that we always said from from you know day zero with the card game like you said is that every game is canon with the rpg because we're releasing specific stories that you can play through the stories imply that the that like the world has gotten to a specific point and so yeah. we always say you know the the the, the canon of the Sentinel Comics role-playing game that you're playing is the canon of the game that you're playing at your table. Like, you do whatever you want to. If we mm-hmm. release something and say, this character is this way and they do this, and you're like, nope, in my home game, that's different. 100%, you are correct that is true in your home game, and you're welcome to do whatever you want to with the canon. We're going to keep putting stuff out, and we're going to keep following a series of storylines that we've created, mm-hmm. um, but we're going to give people options on that, and there's future stuff we want to do with that, too, that let's let, let's bring people in more, but one thing at a time. It is a good mm. bit different. Yeah. It, it, it has to be by the nature of the longer yeah. form stories that we're doing because a lot of the stuff we do in the card game is uh, the storytelling that we do is emergent rather than prescriptive. It's right. you play the game, you pick this hero, this villain, this other hero, this other hero, this environment, and you tell the story that's happening at the table. It's like, yes, some story like that happened somewhere in the multiverse, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the RPG, like you tell the story, did this? can we say, yes, every story happened somewhere in the multiverse? Uh, every story happened somewhere in some multiverse yes so i what i think is really interesting now is that on your podcast the letters page is that you have question and answer uh sections every single time Mm -hmm. and people love writing in and asking you very very specific things about the canon of sentinels (laughs) true so like if what i do as a dungeon master i'm just like who can say whatever it is we'll figure it out as we play but you are all both chris literally writing this stuff and adam as you've turned it into the art of this you know the very specific details and you're willing to give those details to them do you feel like put on the spot to give every single detail of this so that people can like I have the sense that, like, they want to run the perfect game, but at the same time, like, there's no such thing as the perfect game. Mm -hmm. So, like, yes, we're put on the spot, but it is a spot we ask to be put on. It's a spot that we want to be put on. And it's a spot that either we have all of the answers for or somebody asks a question. We're like, there's there's, there's three categories. There's somebody asks a question. We're like, oh, yes, we know all that. It's right here already in our spreadsheet. Here's the answer. Sometimes people ask a question like, oh, that's a good point. Something like that definitely did happen. Hold on. It happened here. And here's how it went. And we expand it. And we do that frequently on the show where we'll Mm -hmm. expand and create that answer. Uh, right then and there on the air and make it part of canon and sometimes people ask a question is like but which hero is allergic to avocados and we go you know not only have we never thought about that 
it's not ever added in canon. And a thing we talk about sure. too is within the pages of Sentinel Comics, there's lots of different writers and there's lots of different creators and the, the editorial staff changes over the decades, of course. And so sometimes there's some character who's got like, who's really into this one type of thing on in their, in their side stories and their home life. Uh, there's one character who's like really into Creedence Clearwater Revival for three years because some writer decides to make that a correct <laughs> direction for the character. And then 10 years later, some other writer's like, ah, I just don't care about that. Or I didn't, I didn't know about that I didn't read that run I just meh. and so that, that various foibles and, and personality quirks enter and exit character stories over the decades and so I'm like yeah and we've, we every so often we tell stories about like here's a here's a writer that took a character in a wrong direction and some other writer had to come back and course correct or there was a retcon later that said oh that wasn't that right that character all along that was a, a, a an evil clone of that character which is a, a story <laughs> that we did in the 90s with Tempest right so like yeah we like being put on that spot we want to be put on that spot because being able to answer all of those questions with the exception of the subcategory of who is allergic to avocados. Like those super minor questions that just like don't impact things. And sometimes I say that sometimes there's tiny things that we, that we say like offhandedly, oh yeah, this thing is true. And they're like, no, that is true. And in fact has bigger story ramifications. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, we relish the opportunity. I also think that we've gotten since the beginning a lot better about admitting that we're not omniscient. Mm, yeah. That when, when we first started the fir- in the first probably six years, five or six years, we were very cagey about all of the information and we pretended we had a lot more information than we did. Um, yeah. And I think we're better at admitting what we know and what we don't know and saying like, well, we haven't thought about this story, but you know, like we're going to we craft that in front of you. And, think that people enjoy that so yeah the trick is that like we have a ton of answers we don't have all the answers but any answer we don't mm-hmm. have we can craft mm-hmm. the trick is that once we've crafted a thing and then put it into writing in some form be it in a, a card game or the rpg or some other thing that we pu- publish somewhere then that now becomes part of the canon so we're constantly adding to the canon mm-hmm. and we have if someone were to sit down and actually craft all the comic books that we've not even all the ones that we've like indicated exist on various spreadsheets but actually all the ones we've plotted out and given you stories of in writer's room type episodes, but in other episodes as well, um, you would be making hundreds of comics. And uh, there are thousands upon thousands of comics that are left to account for still. So, mm, right. yeah, uh, we're thrilled to keep making this story. I'm going to start blaming bad writers from the 90s on my bad DMing. Heck yeah. That's the <laughs> probably the best thing that you've ever created. <laughs> That's such a wonderful outlet. I'm going to I'm going to fight you on this though. Bad writers from the 90s are are uh, are are your friends. What you want is bad writers from the from the 60s and 70s. <laughs> um, mm, that's right. The 90s of bad writers were just going too too hard into the extreme. That's something I realized right. recently actually. Sorry, this is a little bit of a side note. Is that that's like the 90s Please. get yeah. like a really bad rap? And like, there's some things that the '90s can have a bad rap about, but I feel like the 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 2000s were a lot more edgy. Like that's when you got things yeah. like Penance, who has like needles on his <laughs> skin yeah, because right. he has to feel the pain of every death that he's caused. Right, like, as opposed to the original Penance, which was just like she was just like sad. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, she she had a lot of trauma, but the trauma was external as opposed to. Well, anyway. Got, no, because I have needles on the outside, but also on the inside. Do you get it? Right. <laughs> I have to draw it like this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wonderful. 
Hey, it's Amanda, and this is just a, a little mid-roll, a mid-roll for kids, a fun size mid-roll. So here's just some stuff I like, okay? Dried flowers, uh, t-shirts so soft that they become pajamas, creamed honey, waffle knit, whatever, the return of tie-dye, cheap sunglasses, eucalyptus, those little globes you can put uh, in like your plants to keep them watered while you're away. Ah, wasn't that nice? I also really like Wild Thing, our first sponsor this week. When I went to my first in-person event since quarantine began, there was one place and only one place I shopped at. It's Wild Thing. If you're looking for stylish, ethical, and non-gendered clothing and accessories, this is the place for you. There are coveralls, floral suits, that's what I wore, button-ups without chest gaps. They have like the button in the middle so it doesn't gap over, and so many other things. You have to check them out. Their sizes go from US 0 to 20 or extra small to double XL, and the quality is pretty incredible. I was ecstatic when they agreed to sponsor this episode, and they even made a discount code just for Join the Party listeners. The code PARTY20 will get you $20 off orders of $100 or more at wildfang.com. That's PARTY20 for $20 off orders of $100 or more at wildfang.com. Thank you, Wildfang. I'm truly honored. And our second sponsor, Dakota Irish, uh, pay attention, uh, UK and Europe, because this is a sponsor based in Ireland. This is one for you. You don't have to just order stuff from US sponsors. We got one for you as well. This is a small business based in Ireland making premium handcrafted tabletop gaming gear and accessories. There are dice boxes that look like spell books, all kinds of gorgeous dice, and hardwood and leather dice trays. That was their original product. Seriously, some of the most gorgeous stuff I've ever, ever seen. Founded by Luke McIntosh in 2017, they have even more amazing stuff coming out this year. And Luke has been kind enough to set up a discount code just for you. Go to dakotairish.com and use code JOINTHEPARTY for 10% off anything in the store once you've spent $60 US or 50 euros. That's dakotairish.com. Use code JOINTHEPARTY for 10% off a minimum order of $60 US or 50 euros. Available until August 3rd, 2021. And now back to the punch bowl. So this is actually a great question. I would love some advice from you all. I feel like I'm running this post-postmodern, wherever we are in art, um, game of superheroes. Are there genres or tropes that in comics that you think that are ripe for breaking down and and building back up. The story that we're telling is set in Lake Town City, which was a small town in upstate New York that got turned into the city the size of Portland because uh, Mayor Dr. Cassandra Morrow found a new element, diaphragm, that created Delta radiation, uh, which then turned people into uh, superheroes. Right. Uh, basically, like the people does. who were living in there were just like, had like a little bit of powers and then their children had better powers. Mm -hmm. And I'm having this conversation of like, you know, people in their late 20s, early 30s struggling with things that their parents can help can't help them and actually using like capital P powers for good and for evil and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. sure. So I feel like I'm telling this like small uh, Daredevil-esque or, or Queens style Spider-Man story talking about the city itself. Yeah, it's a street level. Yeah, very, very street level yeah. uh, as well. I don't have anyone like expatriate who's just pulling out guns and shooting people for fun, but uh, you know, there are definitely some, some wild uh, ice guns and running around. Profit. 
Yeah. And oh. yeah, she also for profit. <laughs> not just fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not just fun. Um, are is there anything? I guess that what's really interesting about what you're doing and what I love about Sentinels is that you're you're considering the character from the '60s and '70s forward. But uh, I am grappling a little bit with like what are things that are interesting to look at in comics in in the 2020s. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is there anything that you, that you are looking into or you're interested in in working with? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are grappling with that right now <laughs> but luckily you guys can blame it on writers that don't actually exist so like what are these writers who don't exist in sentinel comics well now nah, we wrote ourselves in so we're, we're responsible for a particular era of the comics as well um <laughs> but uh yeah so i would say like you have two really different directions you can go you have more than that you ha- you have a couple of really dire- different directions you can go um with comics where you can be like all right i'm just going to tell a story that is that has some has some life connections but is about the story that's happening in the comic book pages and it's character driven and it's character run mm-hmm. um, and then the other direction you can go is I want I want this to be to have some sort of moral to it I want to have some sort of point I want to be doing some sort of message and um, and that one is going to start with the, mo- the point the moral and message and you're going to work backwards from there and I much mm-hmm. prefer and Adam I believe you do as well telling stories that are character driven from the point of like okay what is it the characters want to do and we'll let the let the moral and the point kind of be emergent from that but mm-hmm. if yeah. you have some sort of story like ah, I really want to tell a story about the, the the dangers of of just accepting information told to you just because it's from an authority figure. So great, yeah. you, you set up a whole thing from there. You start your points, you release your information, and then you begin digging at that. That's that's a that's a fantastic jumping off point. I think you're making your making your work harder for yourself doing it that way. Um, but I think that like if you are to do it that way, it's easiest to start with the villain. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like come up with like someone who has a feasible plot based on misinformation or what, like, Mm -hmm. um, like you're saying there. Oh, and being willing to let go of your message Mm -hmm. as the story continues. Like that's, that's really, that's really the, I think the sticking point that a lot of people have when they try to make a message based story is that they are not willing to let go of their point, even if their characters kind of diverge from that. Sure. We are, we are lucky in that when Adam and I are doing RPG stories in a comic book hero world, we use the Sentinel Comics role-playing game. And the Sentinel Comics role-playing game mm-hmm. has this nifty aspect to it that um, every hero has two principles. And those principles yeah. um, are like, so I have the character Aeon Girl here. And Aeon Girl has two principles. She's she's young. She's uh, she, she's young. young at heart. Yeah, young at heart and young at mind. and she, but, but incredibly powerful um, with this, all, this, all this cosmic energy. And she's kind of presents as a teenager, even though she's actually only a few months old. Weird alien space stuff. But as you're like, okay, how do I sum this character up? The, the, the fact that she has her two principles gives her a lot of information for her player and for her GM mm-hmm. because the principles she has the principle of levity and the principle of cosmic energy and the principle of levity says well during role playing you keep your positive outlook even when all hope is lost and your spirit is nearly impossible to break and the co- principle of cosmic en- energy tells us that uh, she has an affinity with cosmic energy and she can interact with cosmic energy with ease okay whatever those things mean that but we, what we know is that those two things give us storytelling prompts for the players and for the GMs, but also they give us, uh, they tell us what's important to the character. And yeah. when I look at my group of three, four or five heroes in, a, in an RPG and I look at all their principles, I'm like, these are the things that are important to these heroes. These are the things these people care about. If I ever, like the, the you're, whenever you have 
minor or major twists that happen to you in the game, which is a, a mechanic of the role-playing game, they get pulled from these principles. And so as a GM, when I'm looking at the table, I'm like, okay, something bad happens. What kind of bad thing do these players care about? If they're all about like, okay, we've got our weapons and our powers and we're going to fight the villain and we are very much about fight. All right, great. Your principles probably lead into that and you want some sort of combat thing. But I've had groups that were almost entirely not really fighty characters. They're like, we're actually about investigation and about like trying to fix and heal the world and trying to like reach out in a in a non-combat way to solve this and our principles reflect that and so when i look for something bad to happen maybe it isn't a guy with a knife jumps out at you maybe it's like some sort of some sort of trauma rears its head in a way that that makes people grapple with a thing they weren't ready for and so uh even in a game that doesn't codify that sort of principle thing i I like to do and i mean those in a lot of ways came from this moment um that Adam and I and Dave Chalker um, from Critical Hits, who is one of the primary creators of the RPG system, talked a lot about that in other games, that in other RPGs that we've played, we like to do a similar thing at the start of the game and be like, hey, so-and-so, you're playing your hero, you're playing your character, you, you know, whatever the, the, the theme of this, if it's a D&D game, you're playing your, your elven barbarian, why are you an elven barbarian? What is your story? What is it you care about? And as a GM, I like to have just like a couple super minor notes about like, what are these characters' principles, so that when bad stuff happens, I'm pushing on those principles. Because you can always say, a bad thing is happening, there is a man with a laser sword, and he is chopping everything he sees. That's a problem we definitely know we have to solve it. But if we can make sure the threat that's happening is directly connected to one of the players, then whatever story you tell from there, the players will take that ball and run with it. Because they've got more they've got more skin in the game than, than you as a GM even can set up with really good storytelling on your own. Yeah, I always use this example. I'm not. I'm not gonna go into the full details, but um, one of the things about this RPG also is when you're doing the twists, you can allow the players to think of their own things that go wrong. Oh um, yeah, and they will. I would say ninety five percent of the time be worse <laughs> than something that you would inflict upon them. Yeah, yeah. No, like I just said, we're not even going to it. I, have I, had, I had one session that just everything spiraled out of control because I let them run with it, and there was just trucks exploding and robots exploding and extra civilians put in danger because they decided that that's what the consequences of their actions were. Yeah, I love that. I'm actually going to put that in my pocket for something that's coming up. That's that's Perfect. wonderful. Yeah, I, I really like that i think that's something that might be a little bit different between fantasy and superheroes the genre although they're both you know genre fiction is that like superheroes are so much about the superhero it is it is character driven Mm -hmm. and remembering that the the people have principles and you got to push on those principles as opposed to like the genre of fantasy i think overcomes like the fact like oh check out there's that fucking dragon there but you have to remember that there is a person behind the mask Mm -hmm. At all time, mm-hmm. which is why uh, we're doing a superhero story yeah. right now, and why I'm talking to you, and that's this is all this is all perfect. Adam, I have one specific question for you yeah. because I know your triangle here of the the three people who work together on Greater Than Games. Chris, you're the writer person. That that is most like me. We have a business person, like you have Paul. We have Amanda, and Adam. You're very close to what we have our head of production, Brandon, who does the the sound stuff, but you do the drawing. Yes. and I have no concept of how you take the stuff that like I say or that Chris says or in my case what I say mm-hmm. and then you turn it into visual stuff and I know that what you're doing is is syncing to what the art style of the particular time frame is mm-hmm. but like how do you render 
these ideas and these fun things that you all come up with. Like, what is your your artistic process here? Because I don't know, and I'm going to sit next to Chris and being like, oh, hey, remember, like, writing uh, 10,000 words about something that totally doesn't matter? Like, that sounds great. But, like, Adam, what do you, how do you turn that into a visual, uh, an actual thing, whether it's, a like, a, a, a character or a, co- a cover? Yeah, so, I mean, step one is practice. Um, step two is practice. <laughs> um, I, you know, I've been drawing since I was probably five years old. And I'm I'm closing in on 40 here. Mm. You can see it a few years away. That's a big thing. The other thing is uh, having an immense visual library. We have a we have a, a go to joke that it's like I'm an artist. I look at pictures. That's what you do. Um, <laughs> and like that's only kind of half a joke. I spend a lot of time researching and building. Like I have I have a Pinterest board that I have thousands of images saved to i have folders on my computer that i have thousands of images saved to that is like all very meticulously sorted into like oh i need to know how to draw a robot arm like what are some different robot arms let's look at that folder yeah and then you know combining that with the style folder with combining that with the era folder like there's just a lot a massive massive visual visual library is something that um i spend time ongoingly curating and i think that that's that's a big part of it you know i've i've read a lot of comics and so like i mm-hmm. i see <laughs> I, mean, I know what i know the storytelling conventions i know i've read a lot of books also about creating comics and staging and composition and there's there's just a there's a lot of research that goes into it is essentially how i know how to do that and then when it comes to a specific art will like so what we're doing today is we go through every deck um or every character in the rpg and we say okay what moments do we want to show on this what are we trying to communicate with this card what is the story that we're that we're showing you where does that happen we decide those things pretty much first and then decide what's happening in there and then from there it's just up to me to come up with a cool composition and and show that thing because if if I drew the same punch a thousand times, like that's not gonna that's not gonna be exciting. You'd get really good to yeah. drawing that punch, though. Yeah, I would get really good drawing that punch. <laughs> um, something we were talking about earlier, though, also is um, combat as character development. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So like, how how do different characters use the same weapon, or how does each different character throw a punch? Like it's gonna look different. Does this character throw a punch? Do they kick? Do they use a different type of kick? Like that—that's that's a big part of it too. Yeah, uh, action mm. scenes as characterization is is uh, a very challenging thing to do well. But when it's done correctly, it's, it's it tells so much. It's not just like okay, I get in there and I swing my sword around. It's like no, but how and and why and what what, what do we see out of that? Right? Are you are you swinging like a barbarian and just bludgeoning, or do you use it more like a rapier and? You know, are you, you know, do things precise? And I, and I like I like also being able to see character development over an action scene of characters changing the way they do something from the beginning to the end based on what they care about in the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like that. 
I listen, I'm again, I'm very bowled over by the fact that you're able to like, yeah, I use this pen and look, I created a thing that looks visual. But <laughs> I mean, it's I know it's the same principles, but I'm just like, man, that co- that looks so cool. Thank you for doing that. Um, so but it's all, it's all the same. And I should I should have known that. But it, it's wonderful. The reason why I was thinking about that and this is going to go to the final thing that we're all going to do together is something you do on the letters page is where y- you all kind of just like come up with something that should exist or we haven't explored necessarily yet in the Sentinel comic world and then you create a cover if it's about a particular comic and I'm just like oh look at that cover that's exactly what they were talking about mm-hmm. um, but let, <laughs> let's if you will indulge me I would love to do a little thing with, with you all do a little writer's room uh, as long as Adam and, doesn't and have to draw a cover something. for it. <laughs> yeah, no, Adam, no, Adam, don't draw a cover for it. But <laughs> plenty to draw as it is. <laughs> um, so something that we do in in Lake Town City, and I we're doing like this modern world. I say it's set in 2020 X in this alternate world where uh, Lake Town City is the capital sure. of New York and is the size of Portland and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty much where like New York and Vermont meet across Lake Champlain. Um, but we really love using technology, and whenever we roll our Karna checks, because we don't have as much like capital M magic we do uh, to we use that as tech checks okay. um, but uh, I would love to if together if we could come up with a an app that modern heroes would use to make their to make their lives a little bit easier sure. it's called okay. um, paper it's spelled C-A-P <laughs> and then R yeah of course, uh, of course. It's, it's, there's no there's it's no vowels like, right it's much like uh, when you you various heroes can use it, and you uh, you kind of put up there what you're working on. We've got this uh, this this threat that's come up, and so you immediately post about it. It's like, okay, guys, here's the deal: the the Gigatron mm-hmm. is attacking downtown again. Um, but it's it's just I, it's just I'm here by myself. I mean, it's it's me and uh, and Recycle Ben. I just looked at a thing and said the thing I saw. But there's a, a hero named Recycle Ben, uh, and his name is Ben, like Benjamin, <laughs> but he's Recycle Ben. Uh, oh, recycle and the ben. thing he does, he can yeah. touch objects and then reform them into something else made of the same components recycle bin as a hero there you go uh and Bang. um uh yeah so it's just me here with recycle bin and we can't take on gigatron by ourselves so we're gonna post on caper and see if we can get some other heroes to come help us out and maybe other nice. heroes can't even come help us out in terms of like we're gonna join the fight but like ah i can like drop some stuff off on my way by or like shoot a laser beam across the city but i've got this other thing i'm dealing with so you can you can get collins that way or you can get full full cameos yeah. that's what i would do just at first this is frequently how adam and i will create a thing Actually, you did a great job, uh, Eric, setting this up. Where not even knowing it, Adam will be like, oh, "We need a thing like this," and I'll be like, "Okay, great. Yeah. Here's the thing like this." And then Adam's job is to, be, to say, "No, I disagree with half of the things you just said." I'm like, "Okay, uh, I can fix them. I can fix them. I can fix them." Um, I like all those. Oh, really? Um, I have another. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have a. I have another one though too. Do it because because it's it's different though. Sure, sure. Uh, this one would just be called "Help" with an exclamation point. Okay. It's- Does it say "Help"? Frenzy's my baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Uh, you can review. Uh, oh, you're a hero experience. Oh yeah, there you go. There uh, you go. Like that's... You can leave reviews. Uh, yeah, I wonder if there's just a help section of the caper thing. So you can use caper as as a vigilante or as a as a as a as a civilian. And as a civilian, you you're using mm. caper to in the in the help section to leave reviews. There's yeah, there's you can go to the the help website also. That, yeah, but you're like, oh, recycle bed did not do a great job. I have bodily harm from this. Don't do not pick him again. Two stars. That's, yeah, two stars. He stopped Gigatron, but he 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 converted my car into a, a sword yeah. to do it. Uh, right. so, like, and then just disappear. I have no, I don't I have, have car. car to sword insurance. Right. Like if I got into a wreck, that'd be one right. thing. And the insurance but... company's like, you still have the sword, right? So he's, he's like, yeah, but I can't lift it. It weighs as much as a car. It's like, it sounds like a right. personal problem. It's a very dense sword. <laughs> 
the density doesn't change. I feel like you could That's, sell that sword for a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, the mass doesn't change. Right. The... What What I like about the things that you both created was that there are such obvious ways for someone, whether it's society or a supervillain, to like ruin it immediately. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. You could abuse the hell out of both of them. Yeah. Yeah, like what? What is the penalty that you get from like the superhero league if you're you go below like four right, stars? Right. Below a certain. I rating. mean, if you're yeah. if you're below a certain rating, you're you, yeah, the the community is like, oh, so you're a villain, right? And <laughs> like, even if you're like, no, I'm a hero, you're just treated with great suspicion by all the heroes yeah. until the point is like, okay, well, you're now yeah, on by the, civilians. Yeah, uh, right. And yeah, your your reps dependent on your your uh, score. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the, that rep just determines the the caliber of jobs you get selected for on Caper, and so that means you're going to have to be doing a lot of the the less savory jobs, a lot of the less the the less nice jobs, fewer saving kittens from trees, more uh, fishing something important out of the out of the septic tank. So like, come on, what 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 kind of what kind of jobs do you want to get greenlit for? Mm. Yeah, well, what if I really like the septic t- tank jobs? Maybe I'm I'm taking myself. Maybe you're an antihero. Maybe maybe you are, but but like septic tank aside, maybe you're maybe you're like you know what I want the unsavory jobs. Maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna spit in people's face and I, I I do a good job. I get the job done. I don't make anybody happy when I do it though. Um, and so you that that's then it all becomes then it's all brand building, and then we have a whole other problem here. This whole yeah, other thing yeah. that's happening. Well, I mean that's something you got to worry about your your brand as a modern superhero. It's really important. Absolutely. Uh, that's this is this is so funny that I just said that and you guys just have, have these things just lurking in the back. No, then we head. made those up. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. I need to know so much more about Recycle Ben now. Like Yeah, Recycle Ben is great. I'm worried. <laughs> like I said, I have a recycling bin right here next, next to my desk and I was like, what is here? I was like, oh recycle bin. Oh that works. Like he can only recycle plastic one and plastic two, but the other three through seven are his like kryptonite. That's a big right. There's certain materials like metal, paper, and glass. He's really good with plastic one and two. He can do a bit, but it's tricky. Other stuff, it's like can't do it all. Uh, He's like yard waste. No yard waste. Ah! Yard waste is one of his foes. Yard waste is such a good phone name. It's spelled W A Y S T E. Waste. Yeah. He has an electric guitar yeah. that he uses to. You're about to get yard wasted. Yeah, there's just branches <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, let's see. What if the app was not necessarily for public consumption, but it was only for superheroes? Because I feel like when we got this with help, is it Adam? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Help. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. With with help, it's starting to become like citizen. It's citizen focused. Yeah, the caper part is is hero focused, yeah. and then. But okay. So oh, okay. Is there a, like a social media aspect? Also, there's like a like a real clubhouse. Oh yeah, I think on caper you definitely have a stream mm-hmm. that you can post, and you can like follow your certain friends or you know. Um, What's something here? I'm gonna give you a prompt. We're, please. Um, how would a hero use an app to crowdfund themselves? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the trick is, you've got a hero, and they're doing hero in full time, and they need. Uh, but, but like they don't, they, they, they've been working their day job and doing heroing and it was just too much. There's too much bad right. stuff going on. So they need to switch over to yeah. being a hero full time. Um, yeah, what's Patreon for heroes? Right. But the trick is what they want to do is Patreon's a really good example. Cause what they want to do is they don't want to set up a system where they charge people for saving them because that flies right. in the face of what they're doing. So they've set up a, a, a Patreon model. A, they set up a, a donation model where, mm-hmm. um, people who, who think they're doing a good job. They're like, look, look at my caper rating. It's very high. You can see all mm-hmm. these Im- appearances mm-hmm. that I've 
I've done, uh, where the media has has noted that I saved this this ship from sinking and I saved this school bus from burning. And so, like, my, and so I've got I cultivate a social media presence on these various platforms. I wonder if it's about like going. What I thought was something you said that was really interesting. It's from going from being a part time to a full time superhero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is very similar to what we see on Patreon now. Yeah, you like, have that I goal. Just need s- <laughs> right. If I get enough, yeah, I need a goal. I need like I need like a 500, 500 patrons so that instead of subscribing to the league or and having to follow what they do mm-hmm. and follow their codes, I can just do it because like I'm here for the love of the game. I just want you to do it. So I wonder if it's just like the and it, it's the idea. There's like an implication there that it's like if I don't get funded, then like man, I can only superhero for like five hours a week. Mm-hmm. It's my side gig. It's definitely not going to be any good. So I feel like something that involves even if you're moving away from the from the getting paid per per saving, there is something like a little nefarious about it that you just can't shake. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm still stuck on uh, what you said about that. I'm thinking about a sidekick. Uh, starter, starter, which is where you get uh, sidekicks to <laughs> yeah. fun, where you can vote on getting uh, sidekicks promoted from sidekick to full yeah. hero yes. status and then being able to do it on their yeah. own. I-, I could see messing around with uh, terms like angel investor for the name. Um, mm. uh, do something with like benefactor, benefactor X. I like using sidekick starter to, to fund gadgets or like mm. power suits yeah. for teens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Cause the other thing is that Sidekick Starter has, has has two wings. You have the direction of Sidekick Starter, yeah. where you it's it's making people who want to be sidekicks into sidekicks, and then the, the other thing mm-hmm. you can do with it is making sidekicks into into full fledged heroes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and someone has definitely started an after school program called Power Suits for Teens. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> Uh, I wonder what their like special goals. Maybe it's like if I get enough money on Sidekick Starter, then I will go to that. Uh, I'll have like a suit that lets me go to space, and then I can finally fight that evil, that right. alien thing. I feel yeah. like the progression on Sidekick Starter is the same as in a comic. How you go from city to country to yeah. world to space, <laughs> and like they're like, look, the we tears. would love to include international superheroing here, but international superheroing we can only get with a certain level because it's just, it just costs right. more to do international, and we'd like to do international, right. but. And you have yeah. to buy the license. Right, right. We like, we're not. Yeah. We're only licensed for regional right now, and so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I can't go and leave the the tri-state right. area because I actually don't right. have uh, certification there. Yeah, I'm, I'm only certified for. That's, yep. It's very funny. Yep. Um, I I love that. And thank you for doing sure. that with me. That's wonderful. Yeah. You you all you said something. I'm gonna have to listen back to this because Adam, you literally said something that I want to put in my game. I cannot remember what it. Oh, the no, Chris, you just said it. The VC, the fact that a VC funder yeah. funding a superhero the angel investor, and like yeah. that's bad. An angel yeah, investor, yeah. quote unquote, is that's the scariest thing I've ever heard in my entire angel life. Investors, yeah. And um, yeah. and I'm definitely gonna start putting that in my, that game, and people are gonna flare unless they listen to this interview. You need to listen to this interview so you he sees spoilers. Enjoy the party. <laughs> <laughs> Very incredible. Thank you. So so much for being here uh chris and adam please plug the new stuff that's coming out uh by the time this interview comes out the core game of sentinels the multiverse definitive edition currently on kickstarter irrelevant yes. to our, the listeners will be not out yet but it will be out 
soon with within a couple months of this episode well, we coming maybe out. have pre-orders we'll probably have yeah we'll maybe? have pre-orders live because we'll have pre-orders live by the end of may he said question murky by the time you hear this we'll definitely have pre-orders live all right <laughs> so yeah as you mentioned early on eric you started off by talking about sentinels of the multiverse uh which is the game that started this all we that's the game that adam and i wrote in 2010 and published as a company uh in 2011 and that game uh we spent six years making cool expansions for that we put we made did the kickstarter for the last one in 2016 and so adam's art has grown greatly since then and so now we are returning to sentinels the multiverse to early on very early on i think one of the first things i said when i introduced myself is that sentinel comics and the various things is like my life's work Mm -hmm. and that's really true for adam and i there is a solid chance that there is nothing else we will ever make in our lives that is more good qualitative uh enduring than the world (laughs) of sentinel comics um and that's true and that's fine we're okay with that but we as a result we want to make sure that sentinels of the multiverse can be the best it possibly can be and so we are remaking it from the start not quite from scratch but really everything is getting rebuilt from the ground up and so sentinels of the multiverse definitive edition is coming out this fall fall of 2021 and uh new art new mechanics new everything new, uh, very new recognizable as the yeah. same game but every part of it is better yeah it's just it is it is the version we wished we always had made. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have the resources financially or time wise or skill wise to make it in 2010, and we wouldn't have had without the success of it. We wouldn't have had this last 10 years of creating in this world to have enough Sentinel Comics content to to make what we're making now. So anyway, point being, Sentinels and Multiverse Definitive Edition coming soon. Additionally, right now, if you like RPGs, which we hope you do, uh, you can go out and get Sentinel Comics, the role-playing game. It just released to the public in January of 2021, and it's doing quite well already. Uh, and it is just great fun, a lot of fun, a lot of good superhero action there. My my favorite tabletop role-playing game that's right that's right so those are there and then there's a lot of other great things that uh our company greater than games makes we have a mind reading party game called medium that's a blast uh we've got an in-depth cooperative settler destruction game called spirit island that (laughs) is a pretty singular experience so yeah you know check it out but uh for more information, go to greaterthangames.com. That's where all of our stuff is. Uh, if you want to check out our podcast, the letters page that has been referenced a few times, you can go to uh, greaterthangames.com slash the letters page. That letters page has a Patreon. We don't have a side Kickstarter for it yet uh, or an angel investor system. <laughs> um, but once those are set up, we'll probably have those. But for now, you can find us at patreon.com slash the letters page. Uh, and then Adam and I, I think the only social media that either of us sort of do is twitter mm-hmm. uh, i am on there as gtg christopher yeah and i'm gtg adam i also stream on twitch at twitch.tv slash comics and coffee comics and coffee comics and coffee those are the things that i like yes so <laughs> perfect i will put links to every single one of those things in our episode description so many links there's so many links but you all do so much and that's uh (laughs) it's definitely worth it i yes thank you this has been incredible i i want to say like back in 2012 uh, when i or back in like 2014 when i first were like i like games i think games are good i should figure (laughs) that out and i like tried to make like a like a board game comic but the thing that was keeping me going and that actually gave me something to do while i was like a high school english teacher and then when i was doing a bunch of other creative things that were very that were close to it was that I would play solo Sentinels of the mm. Multiverse. I'd play three heroes by myself against a villain in, a, in an environment and being able to talk to you guys about the stuff that you're doing and the expansion of the uh, Sentinel Comics world has been so much fun. So thank you so much for creating this and for, uh, you know, reminding people that that like 
working with uh, genre and, and tropes and working, bouncing off of that and creating something that you're being inspired by it that's outside of the necessary thing that's giant and huge, that it's still worthwhile and, and great. So uh, thank you so much for doing all that. Creation is always worthwhile. Yeah, it's our genuine pleasure. <laughs>